Good morning, good afternoon, or good evening. Today is Wednesday, March 10th, and you are listening to Rocket City Lift. Hello all, welcome back to Rocket City Lift. I'm Brett Goodman. And I'm Tara Bolger. We come to you three times a week and bring a bit of a spiritual lift to your day. Today we'll be discussing a scripture in 2 Samuel about David's final words. But before we get to that, let us begin with a prayer. Let us pray. Gracious God, great is your faithfulness to us, your people. It is our deepest prayer that we would be faithful to you. Help us as we go about the work of living into your word. Amen. Amen. Our scripture comes from 2 Samuel chapter 23, verses 1 through 7. It says, Now these are the last words of David, the oracle of David, son of Jesse, the oracle of the man whom God exalted the anointed of the God of Jacob, the favorite of the strong one of Israel. The Spirit of the Lord speaks through me. His word is upon my tongue. The God of Israel has spoken. The rock of Israel has said to me, one who rules over people justly, ruling in the fear of God is like the light of morning, like the sun rising on a cloudless morning, gleaming from the rain on the grassy land. Is not my house like this with God? For he has made me an everlasting covenant, ordered in all things and secure. Will he not cause to prosper all my help and my desire? But the godless are like thorns that are thrown away, for they cannot be picked up with the hand. To touch them, one uses an iron bar or the shaft of a spear, and they are entirely consumed in fire on the spot. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks Thanks be be to God. God. Brett. This passage talks about a righteous ruler, about David. And why does Israel need David? Why is a righteous ruler needed? Yeah, so David is the second king of Israel. Um, He previously before him was King Saul. And you got to remember before uh, Israel had these kings before they desired to have a king they were ruled by judges but ultimately God was their king Uh, and when they asked for a king God gave it to them um, and essentially said you know be careful with man as king Um, and we see it with Saul uh, that that Saul starts out quite righteously and then kind of has this tragic descent um, and where he cares less and less about ruling his people and more and more about revenge on David and then we have David, who uh, is helps kind of to expand Israel to the height of its power. He it, he does what God asks, um, but he also has failures. <laughs> he also has struggles as a ruler, um, and so he demonstrates kind of this this interesting dichotomy of of what a righteous ruler is. A righteous ruler being one who's connected with God. Uh, that. It, that they will make mistakes, um, and how do they respond when they make res- mistakes? Right? How do they how do they respond when um, they they create the problem? Um, and as we know from Israelite history, one of the big issues that's 
after we have we have David and then we have Solomon who's another righteous ruler and then we have pretty much Josiah but though that's about it for mm-hmm. Israel's yeah. righteous rulers not the best average not the right? best average um, and that will cause the descent of the whole nation mm-hmm. um, so having a righteous ruler uh, for the Israelites and I think for for people is, is really really important you make a really good point in that David, in a lot of ways, is the epitome of the great leader for Israel, who was by no means perfect and made some very terrible mistakes. But what is interesting is his heart for God and his heart for God that convicts him even in his mistakes. Um, And so that's actually a great comfort to me as I lead people, that it doesn't have to be perfect. I do think I have to remain committed to God and honest and ask for forgiveness and repent where I can. But you would think that a righteous ruler would be perfect in every way. And that's simply not the case. Righteous rulers are still human. Um, What do you think from this passage might be a model for those who lead today? Um, as, as we kind of mentioned before, you know, this, um, David connects himself, you know, to, to, when he gets into the Oracle, it starts off with, uh, he talks about his connection with God in about six different forms. Mm -hmm. Um, and some of those he's connecting back to his history, um, the anointed of the God of Jacob, that the that he is not only ruling on his own, but he's remembering that God has been faithful in the past. So in each of these uh, examples or descriptors of who God is, he's also describing who God is, that God is exalted, that God is faithful, that God is strong, that the spirit of the Lord moves in this earth. And so uh, a righteous ruler is, is one who recognizes, one, that God's been faithful in the past, and two, that God's continuing to work today. Mm-hmm. Um, Sometimes we get, sometimes we really get caught on uh, either end of this, of like, you know, uh, God worked in this way, and so I'm only going to do it this way. Right. Um, God can only do one thing. God can only do one thing. Um, Or we we completely forget about all God has done, and it essentially becomes us just moving at that point of uh, where where have we seen God be be faithful? Um, So I think that, you know, obviously David was a charismatic ruler that inspired people um and we have seen the danger of charismatic rulers but the humility to point to where this um this wisdom and this charisma come from i think is vitally important for every ruler uh and and the humility that that takes what do you think I identified, I think, three things that are pretty important that David had that we should also have as leaders. The first is, it says, the Spirit of the Lord speaks through me. And so I think we have to always be rooted Hmm. in God. Um, Not rooted in my own power, not rooted in my own intellect, but rooted in God and the spiritual disciplines that make that possible. I think the second thing is about justice. And for me, what that means is constantly realizing that there are more people than just the people I know about. Yeah. And I have to constantly think of that bigger picture. Mm-hmm. And then the last thing is, you know, it says ruling in fear of God. I don't know that I rule in it. <laughs> I don't rule at all. I don't know that I serve in fear of God, but I certainly serve with some humility that I know that 
I truly believe I will answer to God in some way. And that is a very humbling thing. So if I could pick three things that David did to bring into my own leadership, I think it would be those three. Um, and you know, might not be a bad thing for more leaders <laughs> yeah. to think about bringing some justice, humility, and uh, being rooted in God into their leadership. I mean, the the fear the fear of God for me is 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 back to is is also back to your first point of the humility aspect of um, it is incredibly humbling that for the people that God places in leadership. God holds them to a higher standard. Yes, um, um, and is, we is, don't talk about that we anymore. Don't about I don't that. feel like anyway. Uh, it is it is clear throughout Scripture um, that that you know the people that are that are placed in power that they are expected to rule justly, that they are expected to rule with compassion, uh, and things do not work out for them when they do not do that. No, you know I um, have this kind of like principle I think of when it comes to my role in the church. And the principle is this, what is in the best interest for the church of Jesus Christ? I believe the church of Jesus Christ deserves my best. And I believe it's totally possible that there will come a day where me being in my role is no longer in the best interest of the church. Mm -hmm. And I just pray that I will be able to gracefully exit from that. But I do, I really believe the church of Jesus Christ deserves the very best of us all. And I, I think this is also, you know, we're talking from our experience as pastors, but especially in our in the Presbyterian church, the, the, the church is not ruled, it's not led by the pastors. It's right. led by the congregants. Um, and so this is for every single uh, follower of God um, that you are leading the church, that you are leading um, that God's kingdom uh, in, in the world bef- before us. And so all the things that we have spoken about all directly apply to every person listening to Absolutely. this. Absolutely. And I, you know, I, the Martin Luther quote we used on Monday, I think that you can, you know, be a dish digger mm-hmm. and you can do that in a way that honors God. Mm-hmm. And that's what we're all called to do. Amen. Our quote today comes from C.S. Lewis. He says, man approaches God most nearly when he is in one sense least like God. For what can be more unlike than fullness and need, sovereignty and humility, righteousness and penitence, limitless power, and a cry for help? Thanks so much for joining us today. We will be back on Friday and hope you will tune in again. But now may you go out to love and to serve, to be well to care for yourself and others, knowing that the grace and love of God is ever upon you. Amen. Amen.